Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I'm here today to convince you that Chief Justice John Marshall's court was intent to increase the power of the judicial branch and the federal government. To begin, Marshall himself supported a stronger federal government. For example, when the Articles of Confederation were in effect, Marshall, in tandem with John Adams, were two of the biggest proponents of the Constitution, since they believed the Articles of Confederation did not give the federal government enough power and control over the country. Marshall was also a strong Federalist and believed in all of their beliefs, such as neutrality in foreign affairs, high tariffs, a standing military, and, of course, a strong federal government. John Marshall was the longest-serving Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. During his time, the Supreme Court gained an incredible amount of power through the decisions of cases such as Marbury v. Madison and McCulloch v. Maryland. Let's start with Marbury v. Madison in 1803. At the end of the second president of the United States, John Adams' reign, he appointed several dozen judges. These were derisively known as midnight judges. The next president, Jefferson, did not like the idea of these judges. Since Adams implemented so many new judges so late, there was not enough time to deliver the commissions to all of the new judges before he was out of office. When Jefferson took office, he withheld the undelivered commissions. One judge who did not receive his commission was one William Marbury. Marbury filed a lawsuit against Madison, Jefferson's Secretary of State, who was in charge of giving Marbury's commission, in the Supreme Court. Marbury was asking the Supreme Court to issue a writ of mandamus to Madison. This writ would force Madison to deliver Marbury his commission. The court aimed to answer three questions during the trial. One, did Marbury have a right to his commission? Two, if Marbury did have a legal right to his commission, then was there a remedy to obtain it? And three, if there was a remedy, could the Supreme Court issue it? The court, run by Marshall, found that Marbury did have a right to his commission, since the delivery was much more of a formality than a necessary requirement. The court then found that a writ of mandamus was a proper legal remedy to give Marbury his commission. That just left the third question. Could the Supreme Court issue said writ of mandamus? According to Section 13 of the Judiciary Act of 1789, the Supreme Court, and this is a quote, shall have power to issue writs of mandamus in cases warranted by the principles and usage of law. However, this quote only applies when the court has original jurisdiction and not appellate jurisdiction. This meant that the, that the Judiciary Act had expanded the court's original jurisdiction to include writs of mandamus, and this was not included in the original Constitution. Therefore, the court, recognizing that the Judiciary Act does not agree with the Constitution, struck down that part of that law. This is the first instance of judicial review. Judicial review is the legal power of a court to determine if a work of Congress violates the Constitution. Judicial review is also the ability of the court that makes the judicial branch relevant and on equal footing with the legislative and executive branches. This case is a perfect example of how Marshall was able to use his position as the Chief Justice to increase the power of the Supreme Court. Imagine you are Marshall. On one hand, you have the Democratic Republicans, who you are able to appease by agreeing that Marbury had a right to his commission. On the other hand, you have the Federals, who you are able to appease by ruling in their favor. At the same time, you have also introduced the power of judicial review, which Jefferson was in staunch disagreement with. But if Jefferson was to fight against the ruling, to fight against judicial review, he would also be fighting against a ruling that was in his favor. This all shows how Marshall expertly used this case to increase the power of the judicial branch. Marshall was not only had to increase the power of the judicial branch, but the federal government as well. He did this with the court case McCulloch v. Maryland in 1819. Economic problems during the aftermath of the War of 1812 caused Congress to pass legislature to create the Second Bank of the United States. Many states resented this bank since it called on the states to repay their loans. Some states tried to counter this by taxing the bank. One such state was Maryland. 
Maryland placed a tax on every bank that was not chartered by the state, of which there was only one that met that description. James McCulloch, the head of the Baltimore branch of the Second Bank of the United States, refused to pay the tax. In Maryland State Court, it was argued that since the Constitution does not authorize the federal government to create a national bank, the bank itself is unconstitutional. This decision was appealed to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court found that the bank was constitutional. Marshall argued four points. One, Congress had already created a national bank in 1791, so there was a precedent for a national bank. Two, it was argued that the states retain ultimate sovereignty because they ratified the Constitution. Marshall argued that it was the people, not the states, who ratified the Constitution, therefore people are sovereign. Three, Marshall argued that just because it was not stated in Article One that Congress could create a national bank, did not mean that they could not, since the Constitution acts as a groundwork. And finally, Marshall reached the main point of the argument, which is how to interpret the necessary and proper clause. Maryland argued that the proper clause meant that Congress could only pass laws that were essential to perform their enumerated powers. Marshall, however, argued that the necessary and proper clause allowed Congress to pass laws necessary to reach an end goal instead of limiting it to just its enumerated powers. Marshall also mentioned how Maryland could not tax the national bank since, as he says, the power to tax involves the power to destroy. This case solidified the federal government as reigning supreme over state governments, which supports my argument that Marshall successfully increased the power of not only the Supreme Court, but also the federal government. In conclusion, the strong Federalist and Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, John Marshall, used his position to increase the power of the Supreme Court and the federal government. He increased the power of the Supreme Court by giving it a system of checks against the executive and legislative branch through judicial review, without the executive branch being able to stop him. And he increased the power of the federal government by cementing the states in a position completely dependent upon the central government, as opposed to the states being sovereign. Marshall's influence as Chief Justice is an important lesson for us U.S. citizens to learn today. Despite not getting as much media attention as other members of the government, the Chief Justice still has an extreme amount of influence and sway. This is important because the Chief Justice must be approved by the Senators that are sent to Congress to represent the citizens of the United States. This means it is important to vote for Senators and Representatives who will support your views in Congress and will help positions like the Chief Justice be filled by someone who deserves to be there.